You're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode 150. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Ange, from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I'm an international award-winning business consultant and coach who has helped thousands of amazing women business owners get all the pieces in place to have consistent four and five-figure months and then on to six and seven-plus-figure years without burning out in the process. Running a small business is no easy task, as you and I know. More often than not, we're dealing with limited time, limited budget, and limited resources to get stuff done to grow the business we want. However, what I say to all of my clients that I work with is that it's imperative that you put yourself out there into the world as much as possible and in the right places as possible to have the steady income revenue that you want for you and your family. So where do you even start? There are so many different things that you can do to get yourself out there, multiple, multiple things. But today we're specifically going to look at utilizing PR to bring in to your business. This is one of the best resources that you can leverage when the time is right for your business because PR is a magical thing. So I'm really excited to bring on the amazing Odette all the way from Byron Bay today, who's going to talk to us specifically about how to use PR to grow your business. In this episode, we're just going to define really short and quick about what is PR? Why is it important? What are some of the benefits businesses can see when utilizing PR? What's the number one mistake businesses should avoid with PR? How businesses can get started adding PR to their business? And we're also going to dive and have a very important conversation about a big PR mistake that I made recently, not even knowing that I had made it, and how I'm going to be able to avoid this in the future and how you too will be able to avoid heartache that has caused me. But before we get started on this episode, this episode is sponsored by my $8 a day, 12-month accelerator group coaching program, Profit Pillars, that shows you how to transform your business so that you can make more money, hell yes, to four and five figure plus months, reach more people, have more time to enjoy your family and friends, and put an end to burnout for good. This program, Profit Pillars, is specifically for women in business who are on their way to hitting their first five-figure months and plus. They might have a business idea or they already have their businesses up and running and making some money, but they're not too sure about how to make any more or what key elements to focus on to get the biggest return and investment. My Profit Pillars 12-month program is a hybrid model, meaning I bring together one-on-one group coaching and guest experts, which includes 12 monthly goal setting sessions, 12 month workshops with guest experts, fortnightly hot seat calls, 12 monthly office hours, year round access to my business vault, a 12 month active Facebook VIP community, some one on one uh, strategy time with me, three one on one sessions with guest experts, monthly mindset sessions, and so much more. Seriously, for just $8 a day, which is equivalent to $275 a month, you're not only going to be able to grow your business, grow your network, and get the tools and community you need from someone who's done not one, but created two successful businesses. If you want to know more about Profit Pillars and if this program is right for you, head to AngelaHenderson.com.au, click on my services tab, and then click on my coaching program, Profit Pillars, to learn more. And potentially, if you want, hop on a phone call so we can discuss it even more. Now, let's get into this amazing episode. Welcome to the show, Adette. Thanks so much for having me. 
Super excited to have you here today speaking about PR, and we've got some great juicy conversations that we were talking about prior to recording, so I'm excited to get into those today. As I said before we were recording, I was looking at my podcast uh, list over the last three years as I planned for my three years in podcasting episode, and I'd realized whenever I reached out to you, because that's when I was looking, I was like, ah, you know, I haven't ever had anyone talking about PR, and it's, uh, to me, super important for businesses to explore this opportunity within their business if it's the right fit for them, and because you're a weapon in this space of PR, I really wanted to have you on board so that those individuals listening to this podcast have an opportunity to learn from someone who actually gets it. So when they do start to look at PR into their business, they're going to be setting those foundations and utilizing it in the best way possible and in the right way possible, as we will go into later today, what not to do in PR. Now, before we uh, get started, I always like to ask my guests a fun question so that the audience gets to know you a little bit better. And my question for you is, as I know I've been following you on Instagram and just getting to know you. We spoke at an event last year together, and I know that you love to connect with nature. You like to disconnect. You also do morning walks on the beach. Uh, you like the you know the forests and things like that. So my question to you is, is what is your all-time favorite place to escape to? Oh, that is such a good question. Uh, It's a tough one. I spend a lot of time in waterfalls. Being based in Byron Bay, I'm pretty blessed to have (laughs) access to some of Australia's best nature playgrounds. Um, But there is a a little waterfall up in the hinterland called Goonangarry, and it's a beautiful uh, like 14K walk, Um, and there's three different waterfalls full spots there that overlook this enormous gorge and it's just the biggest thing that opens my heart and makes me smile oh my goodness and how long does it take you to get there you said 14 kilometers it's a 14k walk uh it takes about 45 minutes to drive there Oh, okay, okay, driving cool. I was like, oh my goodness, could I? Because I'm going to get, we're getting ready to go down to Byron Bay later in the year, and I love a good walk. And not necessarily, I can't necessarily do a hike. There's something about hiking. I like have heat flashes and I start to die, right? But that's like, no, I mean, how beautiful. And you live in such an amazing part of Australia. Byron Bay is just this magical little gem. Not necessarily, I mean, it's tucked away, but it's starting to become more and more popular for you guys down there. So it's not so much a hidden gem anymore because <laughs> so many people go there because it is so beautiful. Beautiful. Now that we know your little gateway to heaven, right? Can you tell us for the audience so that they get to understand where you started, either in your career as, you know, getting out of uni uh, and where you're at now so that they get to know you a little bit more for what you're doing? Yeah, for sure. Well, I, um, yeah, I kind of didn't do like the natural linear uh, pathway. I had my son when I was 22 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, I also uh, had been working for Westpac in their events and communications team. So I was really lucky that I kind of slipped in there without any tertiary education. But I definitely always had like a bit of a overhang that I'd like wasn't qualified Uh and um, I had an amazing boss who said you know look go back to uni uh, we'll pay and support Uh, that's great to go and do that Um, so I signed up for a bachelor of strategic communication at La Trobe in Melbourne uh, which is basically a hybrid of PR journalism and marketing together which was uh, bloody hard work (laughs) (laughs) I actually really struggled with the academic side of things but um, I ended up leaving Westpac and going into study full-time and really I was that mature age student who had all 
all the answers, um, but uh, none of the friends. But <laughs> it was absolutely fine because I got shit done. Um, I then worked uh, in the peak body for physiotherapy in the um, marketing and PR team uh, before moving up to Byron Bay. And initially when I first moved up here, uh, my husband was really <laughs> against us moving because he was like, you're so career oriented, you're not going to um, have any like access to great career opportunities in Byron. Um, and I managed to land a job with TAFE New South Wales um, in their media and PR team. And it was kind of a, a, t- a time when TAFE was going through a lot of structural changes. So in the time that I was there, I, I went from being like local media and PR to director of communications. Oh, wow. 18 months. And not because I was the most qualified person for the job, but because there was so many job changes and, and movement that it was just like, can you do that? Like, <laughs> but um, in the end, we... You know, I was traveling around to Sydney and all over like regional New South Wales, and it really was not the life that we'd moved to Byron to live. Sure. Um, so I just decided to take a great leap and start my business five years ago. So I started Odette and Co. as a kind of a bit of a full service. It was really just freelance, um, which then snowballed into a full service agency <laughs> because I, you know, having worked in marketing PR um, roles, I had a lot of experience across copywriting, social PR, web builds, a little bit of design. So I kind of could pull together like, you know, a digital footprint for a business and particularly as things grew, my, you know, peers who were social media managers, copywriters, web developers, all kind of like banded together to start a business. But I really didn't know what I was doing as an agency owner in terms of pricing, um, but I knew my magic was definitely PR. So a couple of years ago, I decided to skinny my focus down mm-hmm. and really drill into the magic of PR um, and so for the last few years, I have been uh, doing a little uh, retainer work of PR outreach for a small collection of clients, but mostly I teach small business owners how to do their own PR through my Hack Your Own PR program. Dude, what a great little adventure you've had, right? Starting <laughs> off, job, go back to uni, I'll pay for it, then you go. The whole, you're like academic, you're like, this isn't, you know, it's, it's hard, you know, right? Doing it. Uh, when you were, when you went back to uni, how old was your son at that stage? Uh, he was four. Right. So also balancing, I'm assuming, uni plus home life, right? Little one. Um, and it's not an easy task, right? It's like <laughs> you still have to be mum hat, chauffeur, cook, cleaner, everything in between and still try to get the university done. Then you rock that then you get to Byron Bay and you're like yeah we're going to do this then you go up to director and now you're technically still a director but of your own company so thank you for sharing that because I always like the audience to see where you've come full circle Mm -hmm. and just to give them a little bit of an idea also just of who you are so thanks for that and now PR it is a bit of a beast it's not necessarily something that's clean cut correct me if I'm wrong. I think when people think PR, they think, oh yeah, this is what it means. But it actually is quite complex on different levels, but equally has a level of simplicity. It's it's not here nor there. So for the purposes of this podcast, because as we know, PR is so new to this audience, I'd love for you just to briefly explain what 
is PR for, and how are you defining it for this episode specifically? It could be in general too, but specifically how they're going to be able to take this definition and start to learn as we go deeper into PR. Yeah, for sure. So public relations is basically just strategic communications of like um, building visibility with new networks um, for the benefit of your business. So building strategic relationships and, you know, with different audiences. So that's not necessarily just with traditional media, but Mm -hmm. that is largely the backdrop that PR has been built in. So um, for anyone who kind of has a little sniff of an idea of what PR is, they probably think about it as brands being featured in the headlines and news stories of print magazines, newspapers, um, the TV news, podcasts, and digital media. Like that's kind of the key areas. But in modern day, PR is also extended into celebrity management, influencers, um, and more events and activations. So <laughs> PR is basically how can we earn new visibility across different platforms other than our own? So the communications spectrum is basically broken into three core pillars. There's paid, owned, and earned. So paid media is basically your advertising channels where you pay to play. So you might sit side by side paid and earned in a magazine. So there would be a magazine ad that says, you know, it's been submitted and branded and crafted by the um, advertiser itself and then submit it to the magazine. And on the other page next to it, you might have earned media, which is an editorial feature, an article talking about what it is you're doing in your business or why you're so fabulous or the landscape that your business exists in. Or it might be a product feature that's, you know, telling their audience about the latest and greatest things in the category. So, um Paid and earned obviously sit side by side, but they have two very different functions. Earned media is where we woo, romance, and uh, we really have to use our credibility, our expertise, our knowledge, and our talents to win a place there. We cannot buy a place there. Whereas um, paid media, we have complete control over the message, creating an ad. We place it there and our audiences know it's an ad. So there's kind of like a different read for how people consume paid and earned media. People see paid and they're like, cool, I know what that is. That's an ad. Okay, cool. Now I'll remember that brand for next time. With earned media, they go, oh, wow, that's really interesting. And, you know, this is what we were talking about before we got on the call about that sort of layer of deception that can be found in public relations. But essentially what we assume when we see a brand that has been um, put to us in in an editorial earned space is that the, the masthead, the news outlet, whoever it is that has featured that product, has used discernment to decide whether that that product should be there or not. It's not just that it was the only product put in front of them. Mm-hmm. It's that, that that journalist has gone, here's 10 things in that category. I'm choosing the best one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's and, kind of the difference. <laughs> that'll be good because we're going to talk about this later on because there's been a bit of an uproar in the world of PR over the last little while. Not 
I would say not necessarily collectively, but on one particular movement and one tactic that has been used, which I have been caught up on. So I want to share that with the audience as we move through this, because I think it's important, um, as you know, when you and I were having this conversation, we'll get into it more later on Instagram, and this came about, I reached out to you right away, and I was like, Odette, what do we need to talk about? How can we unpack it this, and how can I make it better for the next time? So I will, we'll get into that, because I think it's important how you described those pillars in the importance of what we need to be saying to the journalists when we're reaching out to them or they're reaching out to us and that. So we will get to that. But this is why I wanted to have you on board because I want people to understand the right way to do PR for your business versus the slim shady way of doing PR that might be um, allude to your audience one thing, but it actually the way that it went about is actually not true, true transparency to the audience. So I'm excited that we will get into it because it is going to be juicy and something that's worthwhile for the audience to understand. So yeah. And gonna- also just on that, just before we dive into the next thing, but just also flagging that a lot of people don't know better. So forgive yourself <laughs> if you're in that basket of a not knowing what PR is or being confused by anything in this landscape. I would say 99% of people don't know. So you're good. Stick with us. <laughs> Absolutely. I just think that there's always lessons to be learned. Like I could beat myself up about what we'll talk about in a little while. But again, as we talked about, and we'll get into it, I'll hold on to that, right? But <laughs> it's, there's always lessons to be learned. But I believe people have to be willing to acknowledge what went wrong and be willing to hear what to do better and then never let that happen again, right? So when you don't know, you don't know. But when you do know, don't let it fuck up again, right? So that's why, again, I'm excited to have you on board, not only for my own personal reasons, right, so that I too do it better the next time, but also that... Uh, this podcast is about planting the seeds for people and for people to do things correctly from the beginning. And I work with women every single week that are like, oh, I didn't know that. You don't know what you don't know. But when you do do you but when you do damn well know, it's to me, it's your responsibility then to make sure you're doing the right thing moving forward. Right. We all have choice. You don't have to. But uh, you'll as you'll talk about later on, you'll start to get called out by audience. Right. So. <laughs> So important. All right. So we've talked a little about why is PR so important. We've talked about obviously a little bit about the magic of Byron Bay, but I'd also just like to know why, why should people be utilizing PR now as in what are the benefits about it? Because the social media space is changing every single day. I mean, you look at Facebook, for example, you look at Instagram, you look at how hard it is to utilize ads the way that we used to seven, eight years ago when ads were cheaper, etc. So I think there's I don't think I know that there's a place for PR to come into someone's overall business strategy and not just be heavily reliant on Instagram, Facebook and all those other platforms. So I'd be curious to know what do you feel are the current benefits that businesses can see when use, utilizing PR for their overall business strategy? Mm, yeah, the um, organic space for social media and, and paid space for social media as well is definitely uh, becoming more challenging. Um, but PR has always had a really uh, a, a sort of a different role than, say, classic lead generation. Mm-hmm. PR is in the game of reputation and trust. So people generally exercise it when they want to become known to new audiences um, and when they want to fast track that relationship of know you, like you and trust you because we know people have to go through that particularly 
for high cost products and services. So it's not necessarily going to be super valuable if you just have a very low cost product. Mm-hmm. Although if you have a low cost product and you're running Facebook ads, your Facebook ads cost is going to come down a lot lower mm-hmm. because uh, people already know you, trust you, and so they can make a one-click purchase without even thinking about it because they've seen you before. So generally, PR is one of those things that comes into play when you um, are either really, really crystal clear on your offer, you know where you're going and, um, you know, it's ahead of a launch, but you're you're pretty well versed in business. Mm-hmm. Um, so the new newness is a great news hook for media. Or I tend to see um, PR done best by brands that have been in market for a few years. Um, they've got really happy customers and great testimonials. They've got an epic looking brand and digital footprint their website seamless uh, conversion so that any new traffic is going to be able to purchase or book in with service providers Um, and if they have a physical premises then it's ready to take new customers so I always think about PR it's like uh, going from tapping away on your lappy at home Mm -hmm. to being in the middle of like a football stadium and having the same, like, you know, still being on your lappy, but you've got like this <laughs> massive audience that you're suddenly sitting in front of. So um, PR is one of those things that I would switch on once you have these really happy customers and an amazing way to convert them. Fantastic. So again, going back to those foundational elements, right, is that and those pillars that you were talking about early on, like they all start to weave together. It's one of the things that I say with businesses is that so often they will come to me and they're like, well, I'm spending, you know, a few thousand dollars a month on ads. And then I look at their website. I'm like, but your website sucks ass, right? So you're, you're, you're driving, you're spending all this money to drive leads back to your website that you're not ready to to work with them because yeah. like it's crap, right? So I like that you're bringing into that the, have your foundations in place first and then kind of use PR on top of that. Like you're layering it to some degree. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, absolutely. Because PR is also tough. It's not like the easiest thing. And it's also not the thing that you can just go and switch on. Mm -hmm. So you want to do the switch on and building those relationships with media when you're at a point where you can actually take advantage of the good juju that comes your way. (laughs) Absolutely. So you've been around for a while in the PR space. So I'm curious, I'm sure you see a thousand mistakes right in the PR but what's the number one mistake for those listeners out there right now that are like okay PR didn't really think about it or some might be going actually I have thought about it but now I'm understanding it a little bit more what's the number one mistake businesses should avoid when looking at doing PR for their business um well you know doing it before you're ready is definitely up there but the the thing that I most commonly see is people um spraying and praying (laughs) (laughs) basically my view on PR is that it's um slow down and it's about um having a bit of romance involved in the process and and when I say that I mean know exactly who you are sending emails to rather than finding an email address and crossing <laughs> crossing your fingers and hoping for the best. Yep. So what I often see is people going, oh, well, I've, I've written a media release and sent it to this, 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 and this. And I just know <laughs> they have no idea who they sent it to. Mm-hmm. So 
our job, so what you pay for when you go to a publicist is 15 years of experience of building a connection with different individuals. So that's our job as a PR is to know exactly who's who in the media landscape so that if you came to me, Ange, and you were like, I want to get a story on Channel 7 News in Brisbane, I go, okay, cool. Well, you need to talk to Katrina Blowers because she's the news anchor um, and she also does senior investigations. So let's hook you up. Mm-hmm. So um, what I find is that people just blindly trust a publicist and just go and, you know, go take me where you think I should be rather than uh, going back to their business and going, what do my clients listen to? Watch? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the program that they're interested in? Because whether you pay for a publicist or you um, do it yourself, you really want to know that you're going to the right places rather than just getting any media for the sake mm-hmm. of it. So what I see all the time is business owners that they'll pay a copywriter or someone to write a media release. They'll find every email address that they can possibly find for an outlet. They'll send the same email, the same media release to all of them mm-hmm. and wonder why they get no cut through. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they get no cut through is that by writing one email to everyone, mm-hmm. they wrote no email to anyone. 100% because they're not tailoring it. Uh, I'm, each individual news outlet brings different culture, different perspectives, different energy, different whatever. And you're going to have to tap into that, right? Like you're going to have exactly. to. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And just because you personalize the email, let's. I just want to clarify, you can help me on this. You still have the same email, but instead of saying it to Katrina, who's also a friend of mine, you say, dear Johnny, but you send the same email. That's not cutting it, correct? Like you still have to probably spend a little bit of while while crafting that email to make sure it's tailored specifically for those outlets that you're reaching out to. Exactly. So what I would say is that um, my rule is the rule of 10. Mm -hmm. Um, So you must listen to 10 episodes of the podcast, Mm -hmm. listen, you know, to to, watch the news for 10 nights in a row or read 10 articles by not just from one magazine, but from the actual individual who wrote it. Mm -hmm. Within a magazine, they have, you know, maybe six different sections. There might be a business section, a lifestyle section, a beauty section, Mm -hmm. um, a technology section, and each of those sections will have different contributors. So you need to find the people who work within each of those little niches mm-hmm. and understand their nuance, understand the culture, the uh, what floats their boat, how many dogs they've got <laughs> <laughs> uh, to really forge a meaningful one-to-one connection rather a, rather than a one-to-brand. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people go, I want to be in Vogue. Yeah, I'm going to pitch to Vogue rather than going, okay, well, I'm a beauty product. I should pitch to the beauty editor. Right. Mm-hmm. Super specific. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, choose, you know, I like that because it's kind of like what they say in the entrepreneur space. If you speak to everyone, you speak to nobody, right? And Mm -hmm. it's similar to what you're saying with pitching. It's with this podcast, I get probably 10 to 15 pitches daily sometimes, (laughs) right? And you can tell it's copy and paste, copy and paste, copy and paste. And so that's why now I just kind of go like, 
listen, thank you. Well, I don't, my team does, because I can't deal with it anymore. As in like, I'm just like, you literally are pitching to me like this way, right? So though I'm not a PR place, as in I can be seen as a PR outlet, maybe for those people who want to get on podcasts and stuff. It's like, hold on a minute, you, you know, nothing about my business, or even my or asking questions, like, what does your audience need? What, how can we support your audience? It's typically about them going what's in the best interest for them and how this is going to help them. Where I take the angle is how this will help how will the knowledge I'm sharing on a podcast or in an article potentially help transform the person reading it, but equally add value to the outlet that I'm working with? What are your thoughts about that? Totally. And it's all about thinking, getting your head into the mindset of the producer, the journalist, the editor, whoever it is you're pitching and say, what do they need right now? I want to meet them there. So I always think of like a classic, like you have to have a Venn diagram in every marketing presentation, (laughs) right? So I always think about like the Venn diagram being on one side is the publication's goals and intention and the other is your goals and intention. And you cannot have success unless the two overlap. So your goals and intentions are the only thing that's malleable there. The the publication has an audience and intention and they do what they do. If you want to be there, you need to make sure you sound like you fit there. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm glad that, yeah, I was thinking that was what you were meaning, but I thought I would just clarify some things for that. Now, PR. People might be going, okay, you're convincing me, Odette, that I need to look at the PR side of things. But is PR for everyone? No. Should every business do it? <laughs> yeah. Because I think it's important. Like, I don't think business consulting is for everyone at this stage. I think everyone needs a business consultant, but do they need it right now? And also is my zone of genius to work with everyone? No. So I'm, I'm also just want to clarify, is PR for everyone? Or is it only for, like you said, once they get those foundations in place, then maybe. But even then, is PR for everyone? Yeah. So what I would say is that... Um... Firstly, you need to have something to say. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have an opinion, um, it's really, really hard to stand out and for a, a journalist or editor or podcast host to go, yeah, cool, like I want to have more of the same, please. Nobody yeah. thinks that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so you really want to be um, confident in your space and ready to put your hand up to, you know, to own your space as well so a lot of people come to PR and they don't really know what it is but someone said that maybe they should be doing PR and um, they don't realize that in order to do PR you have to put yourself in the limelight you have to uh, be ready to speak on a mic you have to be ready to speak to camera or you need to be ready to be exposed to large volumes of audiences and that's not for everyone like a lot of people actually do really well without PR and they don't have to do it. Um, the other thing that I would say is that not all brands need, um, really need the the trust and reputation. So there are some spaces where if you work in a really competitive environment and there's lots of really great people doing what you're doing, uh, you really do kind of need to shout from the rooftops about yeah, that makes sense. how great you are, in which case PR can be really, really amazing mm-hmm. for um, elevating your visibility and building your authority. I love it. And in your space, where have you seen PR? I mean, we've talked about what works and what isn't, but can you give us an example of where you've seen it work really well for someone? Uh 
Yeah. You don't have to disclose the name if you don't want to do the confidentiality, but just like an oh, example no. so people can go, oh, yeah, okay, that's relevant and I can see how that works. Yeah, so many good examples, but I guess like one of my favorite projects was definitely working with the Pharma Cookbook, um, which was a drought, flood and fire um, cookbook raising funds through the CWA. Mm-hmm. So through the, um, it was where PR works best, I think, mm-hmm. is when it's a really smart multi-channel um, approach. So you've mm-hmm. got your website, beautiful, your social media is effective. You're probably looking at email marketing to follow up um, and you're layering up with PR on top. So we um, we executed like a, an influencer drop to all of the, you know, people that were relevant in our audience. Mm-hmm. We had a beautiful email marketing going on and great organic socials. As soon as we tapped in the um, PR, we had like media opportunities that would drop twenty to forty thousand um, dollar runs of book purchases. Mm-hmm. It's a book purchase of thirty dollars. Yeah. Uh, so there were a lot of books that we could get off the back of media opportunities. So you know, generally we we don't say you're going to get that overnight. Right. So over an eighteen month campaign towards the back end of the campaign, we were able to generate those kinds of sales off the back of the media ops at the beginning of the campaign because you have to work so much harder to get people to put their hand in their money when it's a foreign idea. Um, we you know might have been having between three and maybe ten k right for a media opportunity, but also we had some media opportunities that did absolutely bugger all. So it's really interesting to see time of day, um, time of purchase cycle, and when media opportunities drop. So it it is a little bit of an experimenting um, when you first start in PR to understand what works for your audience and your product category. I like two things there. One is around the holistic marketing side of things. When I used to work with as an influencer here in Australia with Netflix and Club Med and all those brands, a lot of times they would come and just be like, I want you to do one post. And like, you want me to do one post that's not paid. And and when I say paid, like I'm not putting ads or boosting it behind anything. You're likely that 5% of my audience sees this. Whereas like, I would prefer to do a campaign where it goes over three or five, six months. And I'm posting regularly throughout the week on multiple channels in my newsletter. Stories wasn't a thing back then, but um, doing video content, like doing all really wrap around because people consume content in different areas. Some people want video, some people want auditory, some people want still, right? And some of these bigger brands didn't get it. They're like, no, I'll just pay you for one shout out. I'm like, okay, like, again, I have disclosed to you that I don't think this is the best way. (laughs) But if you still are happy with that, that's your choice to give me the money. But I was able to lay my head on my pillow going like, I've advised you that I don't think this is the best way for you to spend your money, because it's only one, one hit of an audience. And you're the variables are like, you've got to hope that that post is going to go in your favor and it might not. And some of them are still like, yeah, so I actually would main, make them sign a tick box when they would work with me to say that I had disclosed that to them because I didn't feel comfortable taking their money without them knowing that information. And some of them who have big budgets didn't care. They're like, no, this is what we've been told. This is what we want. And we're, we're happy to pay for it. I'm like, okay, but I don't think it's it. So I liked how you talked about that. And of course, my ADHD brain forgot the second thing that you know what I mean. I was going to chat with you about. But yes, I just like the holistic campaign part of it because I oh, that was it. It. The, I, the testing. The length. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the testing, just like with Facebook ads, people think that if they run a Facebook ad or Google ads or get their website ad, it means direct traffic. 
it, it doesn't. It's you've got to test this. This header might not work or this campaign might not work with this audience or like you said, time and day. So the fact that you still have to be open to testing and that things might not work right off the bat and that PR is a long term process, too. Right. It's not just I mean, one article could probably help you out. Many businesses probably get lots of help in, in coverage. But normally, typically, is it not like still a long term process, like you're committing to your business for like the longevity and sustainability versus just like quick wins? What are your thoughts about that? Absolutely. Like the long game is where it's at in anything you do in your business. Like Mm -hmm. one email, one ad campaign Mm -hmm. is not going to be particularly effective and the same with one media article. So I always say to people that I feel like you don't want to have an always on PR strategy Mm -hmm. because it's it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. A, you have to keep showing up for interviews. You have to keep writing opinion articles. But also the media gets really freaking sick of hearing from us. So, (laughs) you know, you kind of want to dilute your visibility as well because your audience will also fatigue of hearing you talking Mm -hmm. about the same things. And it's the same as what we were talking about um, before we came on air. I was like, you want to make sure that we're talking about something different in PR Mm -hmm. as well because um, we need to keep giving new ideas to people. So I always think work in bursts with your PR. Mm -hmm. So avoid doing, you know, 12 months straight of it. Instead, maybe look at doing two to three months of PR, Mm -hmm. have a rest from it for three to six months and then do another campaign. So map your PR activities around the core things that are super, super relevant and timely for your business. So that might be that you're a product that really is a perfect thing as a Mother's Day gift. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, the three to four months prior to Mother's Day are, you know, going to be a really good time for you. Um, Similarly, if you're a service-based business who does like a huge tax time sales period, Mm -hmm. you might want to think about the three months prior to June as being an important time for you to do your PR. So map things around what makes sense for timeliness, what are the conversations that will be happening in media around that time and when your audience will be making purchase decisions around your product. Now, I love it. And it's also was a great segue to where we're about to go. Now, I am mindful of debt that you've got another appointment. So I'm trying to do, I mean, get to the juicy part as what I think is a good conversation. So I will get right to that because I do want us to have this quick conversation about PR gone wrong. All right. And it's not just PR gone wrong. Again, after speaking to you, I think this potentially went really wrong. All right. <laughs> and 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 what to and what for businesses to avoid, right? Now, like I said, I know I'm mindful of time because I think we could potentially talk about this for 84 hours, what we're about to get into. So I'm mindful we're giving you a bit of a snapshot. And the reason why I'm kind of going quick is Adet's got another call, but we actually were speaking 45 minutes to an hour before we hit record. And then we're like, <laughs> oh shit, Adet's got another meeting. Oh shit, we should have been actually probably recording this. So I do apologize if we go a bit quicker. But Adet, can we just talk about where has PR gone wrong? And I will be able to share my experience in this. But can you give a quick overview for people? Yeah, sure. So like coming back to the earned media category Mm -hmm. that I mentioned PR falls into, in recent times, PR has been falling into a paid category Mm -hmm. uh, that's slipping into more of an advertising as opposed to earned media. Um, Mm -hmm. And recently this sort of like came to a head for me, um, seeing uh, a lot of Forbes entrepreneur um, Yahoo Finance 
um, articles featuring top 10 lists um, and a lot of people in our community have been involved in these and you know the first time I saw one I was like oh that's awesome for them congratulations and then the second time I saw one I was like oh another one that's great and then the third time I was like hang on a second, what's going on here? So, you know, I decided to dig in deeper and try and get a sense on what was going on. And basically what's been happening is a lot of people um, are receiving DMs or emails from agencies claiming to be able to achieve media mentions for businesses across these major news sites like Yahoo, Forbes and Entrepreneur. Um, essentially what these guys are doing is using um, a syndicated global newswire, and I'm sorry, <laughs> using really industry jargon there, mm-hmm. but it's basically uh, these automated platforms that allow them to um, self-publish to the likes of Yahoo and Entrepreneur and, and navigate around an editor's approval. Mm-hmm. So in doing this, these lists are being published without any editing, review or approval or endorsement by the platforms that they exist on. Now, Mm -hmm. there's so many layers of problems in this. One, the fact that these news outlets can't control it. Like to me, that is the most devastating part about this because it really erodes my trust in the media that I love and adore and have built my business around, right? Mm-hmm. When the editor-in-chief of Yahoo calls these things a scam and says that they've only just discovered that these exist, when I know that they've been published on their news platform for at least eight months, that really disturbs me that a um, publisher uh, can't control. And even since I've had chats with Sarah uh, Carol who is the editor-in-chief of Yahoo, uh, about this issue. And she just keeps telling me, look, we've launched an investigation into the source of it. It is being um, dug into globally. Uh, They're trying to understand who's perpetrating these lists, but they don't have an answer on it yet on how to stop it. So the the victims here are multi-layered. The news outlets are victims of it because they are publishing content that they don't want on their sites. Mm -hmm. The businesses that subscribe to these services of being featured in these top 10 lists, they are victims of it as well because most of them come in with good intention, uh, trying to, you know, elevate their brands and, and they just don't know any better. And then the customers of these people are also victims of it because they're part of this spin on the internet and across social media that it's really playing into that mental health degradation that's going on at the moment of people just feeling like shit when they scroll on social media because there's all these top 10 coaches, everyone's on these lists. But if you dig into the lists, you will see some really legitimate leaders in our fields featured in these lists sitting alongside someone who's got six months experience and hasn't got any reason to be there other than the fact that they paid to exist on these lists. So that's probably the biggest, ugliest thing that's been going down in PR for a long time. Um, But it's an issue that hopefully people are becoming more aware of because these lists are really... playing into a game of deception for people. Um, 
but it's deception on all fronts. Like people really don't know any better. And in fairness, even the people who are creating these lists, they're not necessarily being deceptive. They're getting the media wins for their clients. They're getting them onto the news platforms um, and the news platforms are not monitoring it. So by their own thinking, they're kind of fulfilling the requests of a clients that they're working with, right? And that's why, again, so full disclosure, again, I have shared and I was part of one of these lists. Now, when they reached out to me back in November, I had—I was doing my 2021 goals with my team. So one of our top five goals this year was to increase our, P- our PR, not only here in Australia, but internationally. So that was all, always a goal way back before these even started. Then I won three major awards last at the end of this year around consultant of the year, podcast of the year, and someone leadership. I don't want to mess up that name specifically, but it was another leadership award. So when these particular people reached out to me, I thought from an earned, now how you're describing, I'm using your definitions here, right? Earned media. I was like, I actually do have runs on the board. I, did, I wasn't thinking this at the time, but I was like, yeah, I've just won these awards. I've, I've got my runs on the board. I get quite a lot of great wins for my clients and for what they're doing. And the way they pitched me was that it was um, consultants to watch out for in 2021. They didn't tell me that it was like they were the only once from a uh, merit point of view, does that make, I don't know if I'm making mm. sense. Of, mm-hmm. I, I didn't have to go through uh, an application process and they didn't review, say, hundreds of consultants and then they made their decision. So I was like, great. I was like, I want PR for 2021. I have won these awards. I do have earned authority and credibility in this space using that term. So I was like, great, I'm in. That was it. And then, as you said, all of these things started popping up in multiple areas. And then I was like, same thing. I paid for that pu- that publicity. But what I did wrong, in my opinion, is I didn't ask a bunch of questions. And so I would like you to share with the audiences, what que- other questions could I have used in this particular situation to go, hey, this sounds really great, but I need to know a little bit more before I make a decision to make sure that it's ethically getting done correctly, that it's for the right audience. What else could have I done there, Odette? Yeah, so I guess the like the lesson here for anyone that ever gets approached by someone, um, you know, a journalist or a publicist who who wants to feature you in one of these lists is to just ask them, what's the criteria that they're using uh, to establish who is featured in the list? Um, who else is going to be featured in the list? How did they come across you? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe even ask them for any examples of other lists that they have, you know, had published so that you can ascertain the kind of quality of the candidates that are featured in those lists. Mm -hmm. So there's, uh, you know, a a little bit of discernment that we have to undertake to establish whether um, all opportunities are a good fit. I know that I'm guilty of being a yes person that wants to say yes to everything, Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it's a lot harder to say no and to un, unpick and uncover what opportunities really make sense for us. I think we were talking off air about a recent article in Vanity Fair a couple of years ago that a lot of people, you know, caused an absolute uproar when uh, the Byron Bay Murphers were featured in an article where they absolutely got slammed. And it was really obvious from the tone of the article that not one of them asked the journalist what the angle 
angle of the story was. Mm-hmm. So what were they planning to do? What were they trying to expose or explore? Um, and also just knowing that every single time you have a conversation with a journalist, whether they, um, you know, will agree that this is what they do or not, um, you're always on the record. And mm-hmm. even if it's not, um, you know, recorded, they are picking up on sentiment. Anything you say influences what they think and feel about you and what they think and feel about you is how they will depict you in the media. So um, it's our job to be really cautious with what we do with our brand and where we put it. So asking those questions about the criteria in that situation, how they decided whether you were, uh, you know, one of the coaches to watch and who else was going to be featured is a really great way to to understand if it's a good opportunity for you so you know so i i just think this conversation is important again uh learning from our lessons what lessons have i learned and what do i choose actively not to ever do again i know before record before we press record i was also talking about when i would do sponsored content for netflix and those particular organizations our first sentence would always be, this is in collaboration with Netflix, or this is a paid written uh, post in, in collaboration with such and such. Like we always disclose, not only because it was the right thing, but in Australia, it was legally required for us to do that. Now I can tell you, there are hundreds of people who didn't do that. All right. Uh, mm. Lots of people. Who but still you, don't do that. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> but you, to me, it's about being the better person and laying your head on your pillow at the end of the night. And that's why I said to you, like in that instance, yes, I had paid for that feature, but I've also paid other publicists to work with to get like flying solo, for example, talking about a whole bunch of things from mental health, entrepreneur stress, you know, things like that. Mm. So, and, and those articles I didn't disclose where, I think that you know, we need to be make sure that whether or not we're disclosing that we're staying true to ourselves, right? Like, hey, a publicist helped me to get into this particular article too, I think is important. In my opinion, after, you know, unpacking all of this stuff since this kind of incident has taken place, because there's, I think there is a big difference between, well, did you get there on yourself or did someone help you to get on that? And it's okay to get help, right? We all are getting help. I'm a business coach, but how, how, what level do we go to people saying, well, my business is where it is at because Angela Henderson Consulting gave me the strategy. People still have to do the work though, right? So it's like, we can get a little bit too, I think, in depth, but I do think that there's something to be said that the importance of making sure that your audience knows in that level of transparency. And so this was a huge lesson for me to learn. And I appreciate you willing to have those conversations over on Instagram and obviously prior, because if we can allow these conversations to happen so other people don't make the same mistakes that I've made, I think, you know, is always beneficial. And and just also, I think uh, we were talking about about just naturally being a fucking good human, regardless if it's PR, regardless if it's you're walking down the street, is that there's also a lot because of that mental health fatigue you're talking about from looking at social media I also think people are writing social media posts that aren't necessarily true to what they do anyways right to kind of fit into this mold maybe I don't know or they feel like they have to but you know I know there's people that I've worked with personally in my time as a consultant over the years who I know deep down in their business what they're doing and you know a month after they're done working with me or even six months after they're working with me the post they're putting up is not necessarily transparent or ethical, right? Like they're alluding that they can do something when I know for a fact they've never done that in their business before. So regardless of it's PR, business coaching, I don't know, hairstylists, whatever, 
be a good human being, right? At the end of the day. So uh, yeah. Totally. And live and die by that. Like, mm-hmm. and, and that is what makes really great PR by being a really good human. Mm-hmm. It's what makes great businesses. It makes great relationships. It makes a healthier community. So pulling our head out of our bums <laughs> <laughs> yep. and showing up for each other in a really more honest and transparent way and not like, fake vulnerability (laughs) well there's also that too right like there's like the clickbaiting stuff too like uh i can't even give an example but yeah well all of a sudden you'll hear this kind of story that's probably true but i think they then uh, blow it so out of proportion and then it's it's kind of like attention seeking right too and it's like hold on a minute like (laughs) you've gone the extreme right i know when i was going through anxiety and depression I would only talk about the anxiety and depression, A, when I had, when I knew it would help someone. I never posted me laying in my bed and I, when I couldn't get out, there are days where I couldn't get out of bed. At that stage, it, that, that part, that moment wasn't going to help someone. But when I did talk about, you know, today's a good day, I'm out of bed and this happened and this happened, or I wrote a really great article. One of my biggest articles that I had was just because I smile doesn't mean I'm not depressed. And, and it, that then help people it helped transform them so i also think when you start to create this content be mindful of just clickbaiting and just doing it just to you know make yourselves look better and and not have to exaggerate the story because totally. that's not cool either right so yes now listen to that we could talk about this for ages one last <laughs> question though is how can people get started on PR? What's the best way? Is there a course? I know you've got a brilliant course where you work with amazing humans to get their PR up and going, but is taking a course always the right way? Like I'm personally, I'm like, I'll just be like, Odette, take my money, right? Because I know I don't necessarily have extra time to do a course, but I would happy to be work with someone who's ethical like you, not like the company that reached out to me before. I won't name names, (laughs) but like, and, and just say like, hey, can we work together to make this work? Because you mentioned a key thing there is I would pay more to work with you one-on-one, Odette, but I'm paying for your connections too. It's not just your strategy and what you bring to crafting these beautiful PR pieces. It's also, like you said, the 15 years of building relationships with people that I'm paying to get to in a quicker fashion, correct? Absolutely. So I think like the defining factor of success is cash and time. So, um, you know, if you want to um, pay to PR, then you need to be in a position where you could comfortably pay 10 grand a month for a publicist to work on your behalf. You're not always going to be paying that much, but Mm -hmm. I always think you want to be at a point where you comfortably could Mm -hmm. so that you're not going to pay three or five thousand dollars and be like really stressed about money. So I think be be in the headspace that you could afford 10K, you don't necessarily have to pay that much. Mm -hmm. But you also want want to be able to pay that for anywhere between three and six months for a retainer because it does take time. Magazines Mm -hmm. are two or three months in advance. Uh, Lots of stories are planned up. So you need to have time for us as a publicist Mm -hmm. to be able to go and introduce you to our connections because they're not necessarily going to be able to run a story that day, that Tomorrow, week. Exactly that right. Yep. <laughs> um, then the other thing that I would think about is you know, think about whether you're actually ready to step into the limelight. Do you Mm. want more focus on yourself? Because not everyone wants that. Uh, Do a digital audit. Is there anything on the internet that you want people to not see? If so, get rid of that before you do. (laughs) Um, And then the last thing would be is 
if, if cash is not an option for you, then time might be the commitment that you can make. But if you are choosing to learn how to do PR, just really do an assessment. Am I a hustler? Am I a doer? Do I get shit done? If you're that kind of person, then doing PR is great. You need to be willing to show up for yourself. And PR can be tough in terms of getting rejections, having people say no, or having people not reply to you. (laughs) It, It happens. So you need to be like a resilient human who can step into that space and go, yeah, I'm cool. But a minimum commitment that you would want to be giving to your PR is about three hours a week if you're doing it yourself. So if you think about um, your cup being very full or your plate being very full in business and, you know, you can't see how you could extract three hours out of your business, I would think about whether you could get a VA to do three hours of work in your business to give you three hours back Mm -hmm. because you're probably going to be paying a VA, you know, between 40 and $60 an hour. You pay a publicist between $150 and $250 an hour. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of value in outsourcing other aspects of your business and learning a skill that um, is truly so enriching and potentially down the track is going to be able to, you know, generate between five and twenty, forty thousand dollars for media opportunity. No, I love it. I also appreciate your honesty in relation to what it looks like paid and doing it yourself, but also the time commitment. Anything in business, there's no quick fixes, people, right? You still have to be able to dedicate the appropriate time to the appropriate strategy to get the appropriate results. It's about the long-term gain, as Adette and I have been talking about. Now, Adette, I know at time this is going to air in May, and I know you have your waitlist already up and going for your August uh program where people Mm -hmm. can work with you uh, in an intensive way to be able to start understanding PR, but also uh, you've got beautiful people that come in there that are directly related to the media. Uh, I would love for you to tell people where they can go to get on that wait list if they're interested in working with you and also working uh, on your program in the August round. Yeah, for sure. Well, anyone can jump over to my website, which is odettenco.com.au forward slash hack your own PR. And there's a wait list application on there um, or you can drop me a dm on insta (laughs) always happy to have a chat but um in the interim if anyone's thinking about pr i have a podcast by the same name hack your own pr where i interview all my favorite journalists publicists editors tv anchors um and so it it's a really great place to start your um your understanding of how the media landscape works and forging some connections with some amazing talent so that you can in the future pitch them yourself. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much for that. My last question that I like to ask is, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started out in business? Mm, gosh, this, I, I don't know. Can I say, yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think um, less is more. You know, like I started with many talents that I knew that I could monetize, um, but also I have found so much more comfort in being in my super tiny niche of just teaching PR. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, when I first started, I was afraid to niche because I thought that it would mean that I would have less access to business, mm-hmm. but it couldn't have been um 
more the opposite. Dude, I love it. Well, thank you so much. It has been absolutely amazing hanging out with you prior to recording and obviously having the pleasure of recording you today on the podcast to give everyone an insight to the good, the bad, and the ugly about PR. So thank you so much for your generosity. For the rest of you, my team and I will also be putting together the show notes for this episode at AngelaHenderson.com.au. And we will also make sure to include all of Odette's links so that they're readily available for you. Have a fabulous day, you amazing human. And I look forward to you joining me again next week for another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. Thanks again, Odette. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson. www.angelahenderson.com.au